God, we stand in this place rejoicing over your grace. Because your grace has made this morning possible. It's made our very lives possible. Uh, it's made our second lives with you, this born againness that many of us experience possible. And uh, apart from your grace, uh, there's nothing. We have nothing, there is nothing. So thank you uh, for creating and sustaining and lavishing your grace upon us. As we uh, come to this time where we're going to give our offerings, we know that uh, we just give from what you've given us. So use these gifts for your glory, God. And, uh, use our church to make your name famous in our community around the world. Uh, and, and, and Lord, uh, as we go to your word now, we just ask you to open our minds to the things that you say there. Teach us about our adoption into your family as we talk about the ways that we can impact those who need adoption in our community. But always, God, keep us mindful of your grace. doesn't matter if we came in here limping or if we came here uh, in here leaping. Your grace has found us and we can rest in you. Thanks for the fact that your grace brings peace over and over again. The composers of your scripture open their books with grace and peace to you. Thank you that we can have peace because of your grace to us. Grant us that, I pray. Lead us to the, the changes in life that we are meant uh, to make today. Open our hearts to the things that you want to lead us to. Challenge us in, in all areas, God, so that we might... Uh, pour ourselves out as an offering to you. That's my prayer for our church. Thank you for being here this morning, God. We pray that you are pleased with our worship, uh, and may we go and worship you with all our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Have a seat, everyone. How's everybody doing? It's been a good week here at Bay Life Church. Another person put their faith in Jesus this week, so let me plant a rose up here for us all. Yeah, God, for that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to pop around them for a little bit, but we're going to spend most of our time in Galatians chapter 4, so if you want to open there. Just a quick announcement before I start preaching. Uh, if you want to get a t-shirt for the 5K, if you remember me talking about that last week, our global 5K race is coming up here. It's in the bulletin. Make sure you sign up today. T-shirts will uh, not be available after that. All right. Orphan Awareness Sunday. Some of you saw the bulletin cover, and you're like, okay, i got to gear up. i gotta got to make sure they don't get me this time. Uh, because uh, unfortunately a lot of times we come to church and we, we uh, see that there's a specific issue being spoken on and, and we immediately assume that's not me. For whatever reason, uh, you know, station of life, age in life, uh, that's not me. I want to encourage you to open your hearts to the things we're going to talk about today. In fact, we've got organizations out there in the foyer that we're going to uh, uh, give you an opportunity to interact with after our services. We're going to use cupcakes as the lure. Yes, we have worms this morning. They are cupcakes. Uh, but you can... Uh, just interact and find out that, that uh, hopefully, you'll find out that there's all kinds of ways that we can be a part of the solution uh, in this Orphan Awareness Weekend. But uh, I was marked by my study this week. I, I was sent a, a clip of a, a Senate hearing that this guy, Ashton Kutcher, he's a, a Hollywood actor who's on the 70s show and some other things, punked. Anyway, uh, uh, they always get audiences with the Senate because they look good on camera. But he's, he's actually a, a, a very eloquent guy and... Uh, really intelligent about this issue that he brought before the Senate Foreign Relations uh, Committee. It was uh, 
uh, on human trafficking. And so that's not what we're talking about today, but I found it interesting that in the body of his communication with the Senate committee there, he, he brought up fostering and the impact of fostering uh, or foster care system on the human trafficking uh, issue. Uh, he brought these stats out that you can find on any government website, uh, but the first one is that there's about 500,000 uh, kids in foster care in our, in our country. It's a lot. Uh, but here's where the statistics start being a little more sobering. Uh, 70% of all inmates in prison have been through or uh, in contact with the foster care system. If you go to death row, it goes up to 80%. 80% of the inmates on death row were in the foster care system. Um, if, it, if a child is subjected to the foster care system, pulled from their families, orphaned in some way in our culture, uh, they only have a one in two chance of graduating high school, 50% dropout rate in high school. Uh, college, I mean, it's not even really uh, an option as, as far as the statistics say, that's only 5% go to college if they have been a part of the foster care system. And then this was uh, what Kutcher was talking about as he talked about human trafficking and uh, you know, the, the modern day slavery. It's five times more likely that you're gonna be abused sexually in the foster care system. And, uh, and these are all factors in the issue that he was talking about. Uh, that should be enough for us to kind of go, oh, th there, there needs to be some changes, some, some help in these things. And listen, I'm not here to bash the people who serve, the, the good people who serve in the foster care system, but I would submit this to you. There's not enough. There's not enough people participating uh, in, in the lives of these 500,000 kids nationally or in our community uh, to make a difference in the, in, the, in the challenges that these kids face. So this morning is, is our chance to go beyond what we already do in places like Uganda and Honduras with the village of hope and La Providencia, those orphanages there. It's, it's a chance for us to cast a light on what's happening right here in our backyard and the ways that we can join uh, so many families that are already in our midst who are parts of the foster care system or parts of supporting the foster care system. They're standing at booths outside here uh, waiting to discuss uh, their experiences with you and encourage you maybe as God is leading you to be a part of his solution for the foster care needs of our area. But I thought I'd have one of the leaders of those organizations just come and share his heart with you. Uh, so everybody give it up for Dan Clausen as he comes up now to speak with us this morning. Hey, Dan. Hello, how are you, Pastor Mark? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for asking. That's very kind of you to even <laughs> do that. That's great. Uh, uh, Dan's been uh, hanging out with us all week and he's been here before on our Orphan Awareness Weekends. And uh, just so grateful for you. you. You got to our area about four years ago, is that right? Yeah, yeah. The Lord moved uh, our family down to be part of a church plant. So we just uh, live and breathe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we know his heart for the modern orphan. So he's allowed us to be a part of a ministry for about four years now of activating local church around this issue. It's awesome. And that, that organization is called the West Florida Foster Care Service. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and what the mission of that organization is. Yeah, so actually Florida is amazing. We are one of only two states in the entire country where the whole system is privatized. And what that means for us as the body of Christ is I get to lead an agency, a nonprofit, that we say very boldly that we are a Christ-centered agency, that we believe Jesus Christ is the solution, and through the local church, the foster care crisis can be solved. And we get paid to do that work. Isn't that amazing? So we're, we're thankful for the Lord's favor right. in that. And then specifically, we, re, we recruit. 
and then we train and license, so home study, the whole process, and then support. So foster parents come to us from the very beginning, from the table orientation class, and we are with you the entire way to glorify God alone. Well, grateful for your organization's existence. Uh, talk, I know you exist because there is a huge need in our area. Talk to us yes, about uh, the need for foster homes here in our community. Go ahead. Yeah, so we hear the numbers nationwide and then the millions even throughout the globe. Um, but today coming here, I really wanted you to know the, the state or the crisis of foster care in your community. So the zip code we sit in now, 33510, all of last year, so in 2016, there were 24 children just in your zip code removed because they were abused, they were neglected, or they were abandoned by their parents. Now, the issue, though, in church and we, my brother and sisters in Christ, is there are four foster homes in this zip code. So I believe a movement through the Holy Spirit in this church, Bay Life, could say any child in our community that because of sin would need to be removed from their family the one thing we as a church, as lifers are going to do, is we're going to say we promise you that there will be a home for you. And when you are in this home, you will not only hear, but you will experience supernaturally the life and the power and joy of Christ's love alone. 20. I think after this weekend, if there's 20 homes that were raised up, that would be amazing. That would actually make the news. People would ask what happened in that zip code, and no one would know it was our agency. They would say Jesus. They would say church. And that's our prayer for this weekend, is to let you know that the need is now, and there are children that went to bed afraid last night, that they don't want the weekend to come. They want to actually stay in school. They wish school was every seven days a week. They don't want to go home. They don't want to go to bed, and they will need a home. So we've been praying for you before this weekend even began. Yeah, and I've been praying that we'd be open. There's 1,600, 1,700 uh, adults here on a weekend, uh, and if just uh, 20 families can determine it, uh, that the Holy Spirit's calling them to do this, yes, sir. Uh, we can make this impact uh, in this weekend alone. So uh, I can already sense your passion. I want to hear a little bit more about it. Why, why, do you think, why do you think Christians should care about foster care, and what role should we play or could we play yeah, uh, so, part of making a difference. So I think the word is just clear. When, when God says, you know, I've set you apart as my people, but yet even when you fast, like we heard from your, your worship leader, even God says, even when you fast, you do it for yourselves. Like everything you do, you're, you're doing for yourself. What have you done for the widow? What have you done for the orphan? And when we sing about grace, when we grasp the fact that Christ is truly seated at the right hand of God our Father, and what he has done by grace, and he saved us from ourselves. There's this great book by Timothy Keller, Genesis Justice, that says then that we see then the world through these grace kind of goggles, knowing what we've been given that we don't deserve. We've been saved from death and eternity from our Father. We've been brought to him through the death of his Son. What then should we do for him and for the community? So it's out of that grace like when we praise him for that grace, that should be alive and active. That's the city on the hill. That's the salt. That's the light. That's how Christ is known because only by his grace and his spirit, we actually live differently than we used to when we were in sin. And that is the light. 
children, families, single moms right now battling addiction, there's a godly woman in here right now that there's a woman in our community that has given up hope. And she needs a godly woman to knock on her door and say, I've got your babies, but we've got you too. Come to church. And just start with that one family. And I promise we're going to have their back during that process. They're, they're your families, and I promise we'll take care of them. I'm grateful for organizations like yours, Dan. Thank you, And uh, thanks for your heart and for being a Thank part you. of this. Can we give it up for Dan for being a part of our services this morning? Yeah, God has uh, positioned some great people in leadership in all these organizations, and, and we get to partner with them today. And, and like I said at my uh, beginning there, I hope, I hope you're not uh, just closing yourself off to the things that the Holy Spirit might say to you today. Because I sense that those 20 families might be in these services. And I sense that even more of us can be a part of this solution today as God would lead. I want to just kind of go to the Word real quick and explain biblically uh, why Dan has the passion that he has and some of the things that he even said. So uh, let me just start by saying this. The, the Bible states plainly that we are to care for orphans. That should be all I need to say. I should be able to walk off the stage and everybody in here should do it. But we'll, we'll keep talking a little bit. Here we go. Uh, here's what it says in James chapter 1. It says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit, say it with me, orphans and widows and their, uh, their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We, we come to services all the time like this and we hear a lot about that whole unstained from the world stuff, right? Make sure that you're good. Make sure you do the right things. And please do. I'm not saying not to do those things. Please involve yourself in righteousness. But we oftentimes skip out or forget to do the things that James listed there at the beginning of his description of pure or true religion. And that's to come to the aid of those. Uh, who can't uh, fend for themselves, the widows, the orphans. And that's what we're talking about today. The Bible's full of examples of uh, you know, children or, or people who are in need. Uh, you got guys like Moses, uh, who was an orphan. Uh, remember him? They put him in the basket. Who, who, who baptized or baptized? How's it going? That's the New Testament. Anyway, who, uh, found, <laughs> who found Moses? Who, who, was, who was his mom? Pharaoh's daughter, right? And, and still his mom got to be a part of the story. So it's all there in Exodus. Just start reading. It's fun. Uh, but then you got Esther, maybe a less familiar story to some of us. But Esther uh, was this girl uh, for such a time as this is kind of the theme of her story. And uh, she was adopted by her cousins early in her life. Her parents uh, became uh, ill or, or were gone, and, and she had to be uh, raised by another family. How about Mephibosheth? Anybody remember Mephibosheth? Let's all just say that, because it's just a fun word. Ready? One, one, two, three. Mephibosheth. Maybe we could start like a new naming thing. It could be top, the top name in, in 2016. But Mephibosheth was the son, or the grandson, of a guy named Jonathan, who was best buddies uh, with a king named David. Heard of him in the Bible? And, and this guy David, uh, was tried, just, he, he knew that his friend Jonathan had died. Many of his descendants had died with him. And he wanted to know, is there anybody from my, my friend's family that I could be a protector of, and he found this kid, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth actually didn't have the use of his legs, the Bible said. He was a, a cripple, a paralyzed uh, guy, and so he was doubly defeated. Uh, he didn't have family to support him, and he was unable to support himself. And here's what David did. He said, hey, your feet are going to be under my table, and you're going to be a part of my home and inherit like my sons inherit. And he gave him lands and servants. And Mephibosheth, it's just great. Read the story uh, there in 2 Samuel. He, he, he just... He can't believe the grace of God in his life that the king would do this for him. Uh, Joseph, heard of him? Not, not Mary and Joseph, but the first one with the coat, right? Joseph was this uh, 
this guy who uh, was probably the closest to a foster child. Uh, he, didn't ha- he didn't live in a family that liked him. His brothers actually sold him into slavery. <laughs> you remember the story? Maybe you got a, a brother you don't like, but did he sell you into slavery? You're doing better than Joseph. Um, he's, uh, he's sold into slavery, and he's, as, a, as a teenager probably, he's just sent off and uh, grows up uh, away from his family. And uh, the, the scriptures in Genesis detail his story and God's grace to him. But we see it time and again in the, in the story of scripture. We see it time and again and the stories of the people who live in our communities. Uh, families are broken. And just so we're clear, this goes against God's design. God designed uh, things to work a certain way. He wanted families to stay together, to be together, uh, for children to grow up with the love of their parents, and, and for that to be their, their carriage, their, their, their carrying through life. Uh, and so often it just doesn't work that way. Uh, sin comes in and separates us. In fact, as I talk today, just try to think of the gospel. We're going to get to that in just a second. But the gospel is a story of adoption. And, and all of us, spiritually speaking, have been separated from our Father. Isn't it interesting that God, when he seeks to describe himself, uses the title Father? I mean, he sets up family right away in this, this grand, uh, you know, all of creation setup between him and humanity. We're, we're supposed to be a family. He's the Father. And there in the garden, his children, his first kids, Adam and Eve, you just gave them the one rule, don't eat of that tree. As soon as you do, surely you're going to die. And when we think of death there, they didn't physically die, right? They, they, they lived physically, but they, they died spiritually. They were separated. The family broke up. And the kids were cast from the garden. They were cast from the, the positions that they had had as sons and daughter, or son and daughter in that case. And every one of us since then has been born into this broken relationship between God the Father and us. Now, don't get me wrong, God still loves us. In fact, is everybody grateful that God, despite our sin and despite our rebellion, still chooses to love us? Doesn't have to. Everybody gets that, right? But he chooses to do it. But don't make this mistake at all. Just because God loves all 7 billion plus of us doesn't mean that we're all in the family. Only those who have received God or been connected to God, regrafted into God and his family through faith in Jesus Christ, they're the sons and daughters. So, let's talk more about how the Bible reveals this gospel that's rooted in adoption. That's, that's where I want us to go next. And uh, we'll see that uh, here in Ephesians, uh, as, as the New Testament speaks about our uh, relationship with God, it's, it's in terms of this family and our adoption as sons and as daughters. Blessed be, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What a great way to open a letter. He just fusses over God and his greatness. He goes on and he says this, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Another sermon for another time, uh, but this is the, uh, the doctrine of uh, election. God chooses those who follow him as much as those who follow him choose him. In fact, I would say chicken and the egg, God chooses us, we choose him. Everybody with me on that? Another time, but that's what uh, Paul's teaching here. He goes on and he says, in love, he predestined, that's another word that talks about this choice that God has made to take us as his, uh, his children. He predestined us, and here's that word, for what? Adoption, as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise, verse six, of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, in, in, in Jesus. Now go to back, back to verse five, and I want to point this out. Sometimes, ladies, you can read the Bible and think, you know, where am I? They, you keep talking about sons and and the, and, the, and the patriarchs or the, the fraternal. Um, 
the, 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 the scriptures are written in a time where um, the pronoun for the, for the male gender is almost always used to describe all of humanity. So when you see sons, assume daughters. When you see brothers, assume sisters, right? But that, I don't believe, is the case here because what's he talking about? He's talking about adoption. And this is very important that we understand this. Uh, in that day and age, if, if you inherited, like my sisters and I, you know, when, when mom goes to be with Jesus, we'll inherit. We'll get to fight over a car or something like that. I don't know. But, but we all equal, equally have a bearing because we're all equally children of my, my, my parents, my mom. Uh, but dad's already gone. Uh, but in, in the days where this was written, who inherited? Did the girls inherit? Sorry, ladies. You got Zippo. You better marry well, right? Uh, in those days. Still in these days, too. Please try to do that. But, uh, <laughs> but back in those days, the only one that inherited was the first son. Uh, and, and, and sometimes if uh, there were actual uh, allowances, the other sons. But not, not the girls. The girls wouldn't inherit. And so I think Paul's very clear here when he says uh, that we are adopted as sons. Because we inherit along with God's son, Jesus, uh, an eternity in existence with our Father. It's pretty cool. Galatians goes on and, and teases this out in other ways. And before I get into these verses, because I'm going to read some, it's okay if I read a bunch of verses this morning? It's going to happen. It doesn't matter. Um, Galatians is this book that Paul writes to his friends in a place called Galatia, who had, uh, for the most part, been Jewish before they became Christian. Uh, or they were Gentiles who had kind of come to Christ and, and been saved uh, by uh, a bunch of people who were Jews before. And here's what happens. A speaker came to town, apparently, and started because <laughs> they can mess things up, and started telling this church, hey, if you really want to be Christian, you've got to be as Jewish as a Jew in order for you to be Christian. So you've got to get circumcised, you've got to keep all the feasts and all the regulations of the Jewish faith. And then, and only then, can you really be Christian. So that's not what they'd been saved under. It wasn't the gospel that they'd heard. They'd heard the gospel that we've been singing about all morning, this grace thing, and, and it's free for all of us. And actually, we're going to read the verses that say that there's neither Jew nor Greek or slave nor free, male or female. It's for everybody, right? They, they'd, they'd been saved under that truth, but they'd regressed, returned. Paul is just a, appalled uh, that they would give up that freedom to go back under the slavery that was the Jewish faith and the law. And here's why, here's, he's going to speak in a very uh, unflattering way about the law, about the Jewish faith. And here's why. Uh, the people in the Jewish faith, the, the children of Abraham, had just completely lost the purpose of the law and, 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 and made it something that it wasn't supposed to be by trying to keep the law to become righteous. The law was never, read Romans, the law was never given, the rules were never given to show you that you were righteous. Uh, the rules were given so that you could know you could never keep them all, and therefore you need a Savior. You need a God and His grace in order to be righteous. But what had happened? Well, lots of uh, sub-laws were written on sub-laws of sub-laws, and basically what they did is they took this high bar that was the righteousness of God represented in the, in the Old Testament laws, and they lowered it down to where, like, you know, the, the smartest and the best, like the 1% of Jewish society, they called themselves Pharisees and Sadducees and all these things. They were able to actually... Uh, in some forms, at least according to them, keep all the laws. And they made themselves righteous according to the law, which is what they were, they, they were never supposed to do that, but that's what they chose to do with it. Why? Because we're, we're, we're humans. We love being autonomous and self-made. And even in the Jewish religion, that's what happened. So, with that as our backdrop, Paul's, Paul is going to uh, bring into question 
this whole law system and say that it's actually like a prisoner uh, or a prison that we are lived in. Here we go. Re- you'll see as I read. Here we go. Now, before faith came, before Jesus came, we were held captive under the law. He says, we were imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. When we say guardian there, don't think like a, you know, a foster parent. It was more like a, uh, a bully. It was a, uh, someone who was watching. I got you. I'm watching you. It says in order that uh, we might be justified by faith, but now the faith has come. We are no longer under that guardian, for in Christ Jesus uh, you are all, and there it is again, sons of God through faith. For as many as, uh, of you as were baptized in the Christ, you've, been put, you've put on Christ. You went into the water, as it speaks of it literally, but you were identified. That's what the Greek word baptizo means. You were identified with Christ, and now you have put Christ on. You have put on all his rights as son. You are, you are sons with him at the right hand of the Father. It goes on, and it says this. Uh, there is neither, there it is, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Isn't that great about the family of God? Grounds level, everywhere you go. Uh, you could be smart or stupid. You could, <laughs> you could be good looking or ugly. You could be skinny or fat. You can guess where I fit in all those. And, uh, and, and you still, you know, you have the same grace. You're, you're loved uh, equally by the God of all things. Pretty cool. He says, and if you are Christ, uh, verse 29, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now, here's what he did. He says, uh, just like Abraham in the Old Testament was the father of all the Jewish people, and the promises of Abraham were given to all the Jewish people. Now, we've kind of made this shift that it, when Christ comes into our lives, even though we weren't Jewish, we are still heirs of the promise that God has made to the, to the, you know, the children of Abraham in, a, in the sense that we are now seen as the sons or the children of God. Are you with me? Now, here's where it, here's where it gets fun. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, I mean that, or here's what I'm saying when I talk about the heir, as long as the heir is a child, he's going to kind of shift gears, uh, it's, the child is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Here's what he's saying. Kids grew up in a house where the father was the landowner, uh, and they, they, they were sons, they were rightful heirs, uh, but they didn't realize or receive their inheritance until their father died, and they be, actually became uh, the owners of the place. And so they grew up in this house, and even though they were sons, they, in effect, they still had nothing more than like the slaves in the house did, the servants did, right? And so here's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to make this correlation between sons and slaves. Until you have received your inheritance, you're basically on the same footing. It's like you're a slave, okay? With me? You, anybody? Okay, good. I don't want to lose you. It's Sunday morning. Stay with me. Here we go. It says, uh, but that son is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. He's just, he's just being uh, metaphorical here. He's saying, listen, in, in the same way, everybody who grew up under the law was under this guardian, this, this, this method that uh, uh, you know, imprisoned them uh, until a date that was set by his father for him to inherit. And that's where we go next. In the same way, uh, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the Lord. So now he broadens it out. He goes from, the, from this metaphor of the home and the sons and the slaves. He says, now listen, everybody in the world has been a slave, either to the law or to the, uh, to the thinkings uh, or, the, or the mindset of the culture. There's these elementary principles of the world that says, I'm God, and I have the say-so in my life. 
Uh, we call it postmodernism in our world today. It basically says that I'm the truth. Whatever I say is the truth, I make it up, and that's true for me, and it doesn't matter if you agree with me or not. Okay? This is, a bit, this is not a new idea. This has been in existence since sins came into the world. It's rebellion against God. I'm going to be the determiner of my life, my direction, and my truth. And Paul's, Paul says here, all of us, uh, uh, before, you know, go back to verse 3, all of us, uh, when we were children, when we were kind of, hadn't realized our inheritance, we were enslaved, caught up in these elementary principles of the world. But here, who likes good news? Anybody like the good news? We're going to get to it in this next verse. Anybody in for good, who's in for good news? Anybody in for good, here we go. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, when God said, all right, it's time for Jesus to come to earth. It's time for Jesus to, to die on the cross. It's time for Jesus to resurrect from the grave. When that time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. And here it comes again, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, verse 6, God has sent the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba, that great Swedish band, Dancing Queen. Yes, they stole the name, it's not... Abba is a, a Hebrew word that basically is a softer form of, of the noun father. It's, it, it's like poppy or daddy. Uh, it's the word that Jesus used of God the Father. And, and when he did, everybody who was listening to him was like, <gasps> because the Jews, just so you know, they didn't even say God's name out loud. The, the word Yahweh, they didn't even, they, they, they wrote it, but they would never say it out loud because God was too holy. You couldn't say just one of us, you know, tainted by sin people, just couldn't say the name of God. It would... It would desecrate him. We, they wouldn't even say his name. So he was so other and so set apart that when Jesus started saying, hey, call God Abba. Call him Dad. When he cried out on the cross, he didn't say the usual word for father. He said Abba. When he cried out in the garden before he went to the cross, he said, Father, Abba, if we can pass this cup from me, That'd be great, but not my will, but yours be done. He, 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 as the son of God, understood the family relationship that we were meant to have with God. And then he came and died so that we could have that relationship. And now the Holy Spirit, once we have put our faith in Jesus Christ, confirms that relationship by whispering in our souls, hey, your God is Abba. The family's gotten back together. You are back in the relationship that was severed because of your sin. This is some good news, people. That's why we get together and we make the fuss that we do. It's because God is our redeemer. Can you go back to verse 5? Go back to verse 5 for me. Quick, there he goes. Yeah, he came to redeem us who are under the law, and he came to adopt us. He came to redeem us. That's that whole rescuing part of salvation that we think of. Someone's caught in a hole and we pull them out. They're lost, they're broken. We help find them and, and restore them. But he didn't stop there. He could have just stopped there. He said, no, I want to make you mine. I want to, I'm not just going to pull you out of your mess. I'm going to take you home with me. You know, it would be like you driving up to a homeless guy today and instead of just you know, giving him five bucks for lunch, say, get in the van. Let's go. You need a bath. Uh, and, and you're going to live at my house and eat my food until... You get your stuff straight, yeah? 
Five years ago, a 19-year-old walked up to Eleanor and I after a service. Her name was Chelsea, still is. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, she had been a friend of our family through the years. Some of you have heard our, our story with Chelsea. And uh, uh, Eleanor and I went to church that morning uh, under the auspices that we are just going to have another day at church. And we went home that afternoon with another person in our family. And she stayed for 11 months and has been ours for those five years, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, right? Uh, she's ours. She's, we're hers. It's not perfect. It's not even legal. We couldn't, she was 19. We couldn't adopt her. But uh, we call her daughter. She calls us mom and dad. And <clears throat> this is the same kind of thing that... Uh, God has done with us, and that he's calling uh, us to be available to do however it looks in your life, to be a redeemer, a redeemer and an adopter of those in the world. What I'm basically talking about is that uh, this whole concept, if we can go to the next blank, we, we can uh, keep going. We've been called to live the gospel and not just speak it. it and this is, if I, man, if I had to just preach one thing this morning, this would probably be it. A lot of times uh, Christians think that the gospel is just something I share. We talked about that last week, right? Didn't we talk about that last week? Go and tell somebody about Jesus. You know, put them on your Facebook or have conversations. It was great to hear some of those uh, conversations happen over this past week with some of you as you reported them to me. Awesome. But here's what I want you to understand about the gospel. It's not just something that changes our lives and then we talk about it. It's something that changes our lives and we talk about it, but then it shapes how we live our lives. Like, here's what I mean. Because Jesus came, died, rose again, and did all of that as a sacrificial way to love us, then we need to be willing to sacrificially love others uh, like he loved us. And, and that shows up in how we give of ourselves to our spouses and to our families, certainly, and to our churches, absolutely. But it also shows up in how we impact the world around us, the, the less fortunate around us, the least of these. We were spiritually the least of these, and Jesus made a difference in our lives. So now we, in this world that we live in, we're not going to be the spiritual saviors of anybody. That's his territory. But we can be the physical and material and relational saviors of the people in our world. And among the chief of the least of these, I believe, are modern day orphans. I want to bring another couple up that is kind of actually doing what we're talking about. They're foster parents. They've been at our church for the last couple of years, uh, and they've been fostering for about that same amount of time. Uh, please welcome to the stage Frank and Rachel Montoya. As they're sitting down, I'll just let you know that Frank uh, is uh, working out at the base uh, at McDill. Uh, tell him what you do. I actually, uh, super, I'm a superintendent for the dental clinic. On yeah, the he's got great teeth. If you get really close, you can see. He works. But it, uh, uh, Frank's been uh, in our military, serving our country for the last 18 years, and I thank you for your service. God bless you. In doing that. Uh, so uh, he and Rachel moved here about two years ago yeah. and, and, and have been a part of our church ever since and have foster parents too. So Rachel, I know uh, that was a journey for you. Tell, tell, tell everybody what prompted you to uh, become foster parents okay. and how has God in that? Well, unlike Frank, I uh, really never really had any desire or even thought in a million years that I would be sitting here uh, telling our story about a fostering. Uh, but God obviously had different plans, and over the course of several years, I think one of those uh, circumstances that kind of led us to this as well was um, later on in our marriage, we were unable to have any more biological children, 
And so I think God used that and started um, moving in my heart, changing in my heart. And it almost seemed like he started um, bringing people and we just kept hearing this whole foster adoption. Um, and, we, and it seemed like everywhere we went, it was, it was somehow plugged into our lives. And so I, like I said, through the course of several years, struggled with that. Um, I felt like he was leading us to do that, but like so many people that I hear, I, you know, I was one of those, is that I can't do that. Like, I can't take in a child knowing that at some point they're probably going to go back to their family or go back to a relative. And I just, I just couldn't do it, and I just struggled and struggled and fought with the Lord and saying, I can't do that. And I think at some point in my life, he... He changed my heart to, for it not to be all about me and what I can't do, and I had to trust him, and I had to surrender that fear and that uh, uh, not knowing how is this going to look, what, what is it going to be like when we're in the process and when they go back. So I think I finally just kind of gave in and said, okay, Lord, you know, I think I'm going to step one foot forward, and we're just going to do this as a family, and we're going to just trust you that you're going to take care of it. And um, once we made that decision, I, I feel like uh, we ended up shortly after moved to, Bay, um, to Florida. And through that process, we um, were still trying to find a home church. And so happened that the second visit that we came to Bay Life, it was Orphan Weekend. And we just felt that this was a confirmation that God had us now in the, you know, in our home church where you know, this, this ministry was being supported and that this is where we needed to be. Okay, that's great. Uh, so I know there's lots of challenges in fostering and then lots of rewards. Uh, so maybe one of you could talk, maybe Rachel talk about some of the challenges and then Frank, you just maybe talk about some of the rewards. Go ahead. So obviously, obviously one of the challenges that so many people uh, always ask us and, it, you know, is how do you do it? Like, how do you give them back? And, and it's, it, is, it is a true challenge. Uh, you, you, know, you, you take them, these kids, and you just love on them, and you, know, you take them in as your own, and over a course of time, you just fall in love with them, and then at some point, you have to give them back. And through this um, experience, God has been so faithful, but it's, it's also been a challenge as far as trusting the Lord and, and His plan, because a lot of times you just you know, you kind of question, like, is this, you know, is this what's supposed to happen? Like, you know, but God has shown us that we have to just trust his plan. And so for us to really just kind of surrender that control of, of what's going to happen to them and just really trust him and all of it. Yeah, that sounds familiar. What are some of the rewards? I would say the biggest reward uh, is that fostering has given us a platform by which we could just talk about Jesus uh, anywhere we go. There was a, a while back, there was a, we had taken in this baby. It was the first day that we had her, and Rachel said, you know, we, we need some milk and diapers. So I went to Lowe's, and while we were at Lowe's, <laughs> this elderly, apparently they don't sell them there. <laughs> or they ran out that day, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this elderly gentleman approached us, and he, he said, does, in the conversation, he said, does she sleep through the night? And we were like, we don't know. I, I, we don't know if she does. It's our first day with her. And we got into this conversation about foster. She was a foster baby. And he ended up putting his hands to his face. And he started crying. And he just turned around and walked away. And so there we were with the baby. And it was just, I it was kind of, I didn't know what happened that time. But a couple minutes later, he approached me back, or approached us again. And um, 
it, the, the conversation turned into, you know, he had fallen into foster care, some of his kids had fallen into foster care, and it was just an opportunity for, for him to unload however the Lord saw fit. So you know, he was, it was pretty interesting, you know, he was crying, my eyes were sweating, and the baby was, was there, um, and the Lord just saw it, us to be there, it's just kind of divine appointment, um, and we talked about, it wasn't about us fostering, but it was just about what uh, the Lord had for him that day. That's good. That's good. Uh, so, uh, real quick, the, the church is here, they're listening to you, you're a foster family, been doing it for a couple of years, I got a baby right now, it's three weeks old, named Danny, and uh, I don't know if she's down there, but anyway, uh, uh, so you guys are in the trenches, and, and I'm praying there's more of us will be in the trenches. So as we see more people foster from our church, how can other people be a support to those who are in the foster uh, you know, business, doing the fostering? So one of the things that the Lord has taught me is that um, he can do more through our availability than our ability to foster. And one of the things that we, we tell people is um, the four Ps. It's, uh, we need more people to open up their places uh, to use their products in the way of time, talent, treasure, and the process of adoption. So uh, time, talent, treasure, we, we all have it, and it's just a matter of where we can prayerfully find out where we, we can invest in that. I know this lady that does extreme couponing, and she buys like 178 diapers for two cents, you know. So um, she uses her talents, her time to do this, and then she goes out and gives it to foster families. And then the process about all this is just one of the things here, we have different organizations, we have uh, foster families that uh, we can explain and, and as a church we need to learn so that when we do go to different situations or we end up in different situations and we can say, hey, we know these people or we know this pastor or we know this church that uh, foster or that partners with the whole foster system. All right, that's awesome. So that's why we have these groups here today. Hopefully you'll take a chance to grab a cupcake and talk with someone, but all of us can do a part. All of us can be a part as God uh, seeks to make solution. But thank you for doing your part. Thanks for being a part of our church. Can we give it up for the Montoyas? Thank you guys so much. I'll close uh, by saying this, that uh, when Christians get involved, if I can throw that up there, yeah, when Christians get involved with the whole orphan thing, lives change. Lives change when Christians open their homes to orphans. Uh, I know that firsthand uh, in the experiences that our family has had uh, in loving on Chelsea, but then I also know it firsthand from uh, w watching uh, what's happened in, in the life of my favorite foster kid. I'd like to introduce you to her now. Her name's Eleanor, and she's my wife. So, Eleanor, would you come? Um, uh, and Mark wanted me to just share with you just briefly my story. So I was born in Cincinnati to an unwed mother. Um, and the day I was born, she gave me up for adoption. The day after I was born, um, the hospital, for unknown reasons, decided to put me on solid food. And when that happened, all the lining in my intestines was stripped. So because of that, I wasn't able to keep down any food or any formula or anything like that. And um, the family that was supposed to adopt me backed out because they didn't want a sick baby on their hands. So I was then sent into foster care where I languished for three months. Um, 
By the time my parents became aware of me, um, I was already uh, labeled unadoptable. I was failure to thrive, and I weighed less at three months than I did when I was born. Um, the only reason my parents were even made aware of me is because my adoptive mother, Nellie, was a nurse. And she was 40, which back in the 60s, back then, that was too old to adopt. But luckily, my dad, Byron, was 38. So because he was 38 and because my mother had a strong medical background, the social workers in Cincinnati made them aware. My parents lived in Indianapolis, made them aware of this kid. So um, the time came, they drove me across state lines, which, miracle, they never drive foster babies across state lines, but they drew me, drove me across state lines, and my parents were supposed to come and see this sickly little kid that was, like, on her deathbed. And so my mom and dad walked into the room, and um, my mom stopped to talk to the social worker because my mom wanted all the lowdown. And my mom knew I was really, really sick and that this was no joke. And really, my mom especially was like, do we really want to take in a kid who's going to die on us in about a week? But my dad, thankfully, walked right up to the bassinet where I was, bypassed social worker, walked up to the bassinet. He looked down into the bassinet at this sickly little kid who was me, and he said, we'll take her. And that was it. Um, after that, I became a May. And so um, my mom took me to the best pediatricians in Indianapolis. They put me on the special formula, and literally they brought me back to life. And so I loved, I mean, I'm so thankful to the Mays because um, they literally saved my life. But I'm even more thankful to the Mays because my family, because they um, brought me up in a Christian home. Was it perfect? No. No home is Mark and I's home was not perfect when we raised our kids. It you just It's not perfect, but um, it was a strong Christian home where I saw Christ and, like, Christianity modeled before me on a daily basis. My parents, some of the most generous, dear people you would ever meet. And I was constantly taught scripture and constantly taught about Jesus. And so when I was really messed up as a teenager and really hurting um, and fell on my face that night before the Lord, I knew where to go. I knew to cry out to Jesus because I was raised in a Christian home. So not only did they save my physical life, my parents took me to a place where I could encounter Jesus. And it's because of the maze that I'm here today. So, and it's because of the maze that I have compassion for people less fortunate than myself. And that I believe I have a heart for people that are hungry and hurting and homeless. It's because of them. And so my challenge for all of us is just that we would be like my parents were, like Byron and Nellie May in Indianapolis. They were not expecting to adopt another baby. That was not in their game plan. Um, but they took pity on a really sickly kid and they said, you know what? Lord, if that's what you want us to do, we'll take her. And so may we just be open-handed before the Lord and just say, Lord, whatever you have for us, even if it's not in our game plan, whatever you have for us, may our answer be yes, Lord, yes. Now what is your question? And they changed my life. And you and us, I, we have the ability to change lives as well. May we just be open to whatever Jesus wants. Thanks. in the family. <laughs> now, if, if, uh, if, if we talk too long about this, my eyes start sweating too, because uh, 
I don't meet my wife except that Byron and Nellie Mae said yes. I don't have my kids except that Byron and Nellie Mae said yes, and I don't want to be overdramatic. But that's how life works, right? It's, it's a series of decisions and interactions and choices, and, and our choices, uh, even today, those of you who came in already not to do this, right? Our choices, if we submit and surrender and get involved however we can, they're going to impact the life. And some kid is going to stand on the stage maybe someday, maybe it's a kid that Frank and Rachel have or some, somebody here who's not fostering that but is going to. Some kid's going to stand on a stage in a church someday and say, you know what? The way God got a hold of my life is that family from Bay Life Church in Brandon, Florida said yes. And that's how lives change. So. I'm going to let you go, grab some cupcakes, and talk to some of these tables to be able to talk about that, though we should know who's out there. So we'll give it up for our missions coordinator. This is Ricky Fisher. He's going to share with you some of those things. All right. I'm just going to take some uh, minutes here to talk about uh, next steps. Uh, the good news is if you're in this room and you're breathing, I have a next step for you. Um, it's waiting for you right out in that lobby. So we do have cupcakes. That's the first step is eat a cupcake. Um, but I also want to tell you, if you have kids in the next building, please get them first and then come over and enjoy the cupcakes. That would be a great help to the staff over there. Um, but just to let you know who's out there and who's ready to talk to you, a lot of them are Bay Lifers, uh, just like you, that stepped up to uh, volunteer with these ministries. And so they're waiting out there to share their experience with you. If you have questions about how they started, about um, what it's like, they can answer those for you. Um, I'll start with the tables on on this side towards the Missions Cafe. We have iMatter2 out there. That's a great opportunity to step alongside an orphan to mentor um, or tutor them. Uh, it's as simple as either walking through the Bible with them or um, helping them with homework uh, once a week. And so if you have an evening a week that you have free, I would encourage you to go to that table, um, talk about how you can get involved in one of their um, one of their child's lives. Um, also, right next to them, we have Guardian Ad Litem. Uh, Guardian Ad Litem fully trains volunteers to go into the courtroom and act as advocates for um, children in the foster care system. A lot of these children uh, don't have a permanent caseworker. In fact, they go from caseworker to caseworker to caseworker, foster home to foster home. They don't have permanent influences in their lives. So you can be that, that uh, influence in their life that knows knows a child, knows what they need, and you can stand before the judge and say, this is what the child actually needs, and, and be that advocate for them in the courtroom. Um, then we have Safe Families out there. Uh, Safe Families is kind of like foster care, more on a temporary basis. Um, Safe Families actually focuses on keeping children out of the foster care system that don't need to be in there. So say a mom has um, some sort of sentence or, or is in the hospital for a period of time, there's no other guardian, there's no charges of abuse, neglect, anything like that, um, to keep that child from going into the foster care system, safe families step up and they take the child into their home anywhere from one night to uh, three months, and it's always three months or less, um, and it prevents that that child from getting caught up in the red tape and the foster care system so that that parent, when they're done, they can get their child right back. Um, and then we also have West Florida Foster Care. You saw Dan up here. Um, we're really praying for 20 families to step up. Um, another statistic that I heard that he didn't share um, is that 90% of those rescued out of sex trafficking, out of human trafficking, were in the foster care system. And we need 
We need Christian families to step up, to take these children into their homes to prevent that from happening, to prevent them from ever getting caught up in human trafficking. Um, it's, it's, a real, it's a real thing, and we can really be a solution to that. Um, and then Modern Orphans, our own uh, Baylife Modern Orphans ministry, uh, we're inviting those of you who can't take a child into your home to stand alongside people like Frank and Rachel um, to provide hot meals, date nights, through babysitting, to, um, to provide diapers, uh, home repair, yard work, anything to help these families out. The burnout rate for families, um, for foster families, it's an average of 11 months. Um, and so these people just, they run out of energy, they burn out. We want to stand alongside side them, let them know that we're praying for them, let them know that we'll support them in whatever way possible to keep them going um, to do the work that they're doing. And then lastly, we have Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a new camp that we're starting here. It's, it's nationally recognized, um, but it's the first time we're doing one in Tampa. And so um, Baylife is the supporting church for this camp. Uh, we're looking for 20 more counselors to give up a week of their time. It's uh, June 4th through the 9th. We're looking for counselors that are willing to take vacation time to love on these kids. It's a one-on-one -on -one ratio. You get assigned a child, and you get to love on them and, uh, and invest in them uh, for a week and see them grow in their relationship with Jesus. And um, it's just an incredible opportunity. Training starts in about two months, so you don't want to drag your heels on applying for that. Um, we have applications available, and that's going to be at the center four tables in the middle. You can apply for being a camp counselor. You can financially support. For those of you who may not be able to do any of that right now, we do have the opportunity to buy one of these vouchers. Um, for $10, we can provide a Jesus Storybook Bible for an orphan in our community, whether that's through Royal Family Kids Camp or um, through West Florida Foster Care or one of the other, other agencies. We want to get the Word of God into the kids' hands um, we, for these kids who have no hope. And so um, for $10 a piece, you can stop by um, Royal Family Kids Camp table if you have... Uh, cash. If you have credit card, you can go to guest services and purchase one of these vouchers. Um, so I really hope to see you out there. Again, if you have kids, go pick them up first, but um, come out to the lobby, get some cupcakes, and talk to some of these partners before you leave. Thank you, Ricky. Can we all stand? We'll be dismissed. God, it's been a good day at church today, a chance to worship you, a chance to uh, reorient ourselves in our thinking about the gospel. Thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters, those of us who know you. There might be some people who haven't uh, made a decision to trust you yet and haven't put their faith in you, so I pray soon that they'd be with us in the family of God, and if I can be a help to them in that today, God, have them come up to the corner and talk. But uh, for the rest of us, God, who, who that's already our, 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 our existence. We're in the family. Help us to live out our lives uh, being not just tellers of the gospel, but livers of the gospel. Help us to live the gospel in front of people. And if it's going to be in this uh, orphan uh, uh, initiative that we're talking about today, help us not to run to our cars. Uh, help us not to try to avoid whatever you're doing in our hearts right now. Just help us to engage, start the conversations, and see where you lead us. That's my prayer. Thanks for meeting us here today, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great week.